Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans. Hi there. I'm Yvonne Moonkun, TMA's Quality Practice Management Consultant and regular contributor to TMA Practice Well podcast. I have spent the entirety of my adult life in healthcare as a registered nurse, counselor, and now a quality consultant with TMA. I am passionate about facilitating a healthy Texas by supporting the physicians who live and serve the communities throughout our amazing state. I hope you find inspiration and guidance in this episode. TMA has a long, proud history of promoting patient rights, advocating for physicians, and providing real solutions for your practice. We can accomplish so much when we unite in one voice. Call the TMA Knowledge Center at 1-800-880-7955 or visit TexMed.org to find out how you can join or renew your membership today. Today, we're going to be discussing making the transition from your training to your practice. Um, We're going to start with some information about how you whittle down all those decisions and um, make some decisions, things you have to think about. Um, To begin with, about half of all physicians um, change their uh, practice settings or make a transition from one um, early position to another within the first five years. Um, most physicians in their first four to five years will stay in that one practice setting and then um, make a decision to um, make a shift, which is um, a, a pretty good indication of um, how difficult it can be to um, really know ahead of time where you actually want to be. Uh, conversations with colleagues and um, networking Um, and really doing some of uh, your homework, your research, really makes um, a a difference in the long run. Um, Changing practice settings um, early on can be costly. Um, If you've done anything with income guarantees or loan repayments, that can become an issue. Um, And then, of course, dealing with uh, a shift in practice really challenges your your ability to grow your patient panel because a lot of your success is built on your reputation. So um, so it's always best to start thinking about these things as early as possible. Um, if you're able to start thinking about these things now, you have ample time to really consider all of your options. Um, you can complete licensure applications. Um, if your decision includes um, changing practice settings in different states and things of that nature, you'll have to worry about, um, again, your state licensure. Um, it gives you time to find um, the, the position you really want and, and to network with the people that you're really interested in working with um, and gives you an opportunity to, um, to even finish a stipend while you're finishing training if you're able to, to set these things up early enough, um, even before residency. Um, if you wait till later to start making these decisions, 
um, you end up with uh, maybe fewer opportunities, um, maybe not as prepared as you'd like to be, and and um, and, and maybe limit your options more than 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 you'd like. I mean, of course, if you if you take time to do the licensing piece, that can be um, a timely thing as well. All right, so some key considerations. Um, so you want to think about your location. What state do you want to work in? Um, do you have family considerations? Um, do you have um, um, school considerations? Things of that nature. Um, Texas is actually ranked uh, number five in the best states to practice um, because we maintain the corporate practice of medicine. Our legislature has been very good at um, making sure that physicians stay at the forefront of decision-making as far as medical practices and organizations are concerned. Um, tort reform was a huge help um, in, in Texas, uh, which helped really reduce a lot of the malpractice insurance um, rates that folks had to pay, physicians had to pay. Um, and we're small practice friendly. There are um, more solo and uh, small group practices in Texas than in, in most other states. Um, we have lots of rural area, so you can practice in a rural setting. And again, whether this is Texas or another state doesn't matter. But that's one thing that you want to think about um, when, you're, when you're trying to decide between a rural and an urban setting. A rural setting oftentimes will give you a larger income guarantee because they really need physicians in those areas. Um, you might have a greater scope of practice um, and and have a, a longer commitment. Um, an urban setting um, is is you know fraught with state of the art facilities and lots of opportunities and um, lots of networking and more competition. All right, other things to consider: your colleagues. Um, you have internal and external colleagues, and, and by that I mean um, you know while you're in your training. You have um, uh, colleagues that you're in training with um, and people that you come across in your training, in your hospitals and clinics, wherever you're doing your residency. Um, and there are also those folks in the community that, um, that you network with. So make sure that you're really considering all of those people um, and that um, you're maintaining those relationships early on. Um, you want to think about hospital affiliations whether there's going to be a call schedule to deal with, what kind of requirements will you have to meet to be affiliated with um, certain hospitals. Um, and then you also want to think about community need. Is there a need in the community for your specialty? Um, will, they, will, they, will there be a sufficient patient base for you um, to practice and to grow a successful practice? Um, and then again, think about call requirement, especially if you're considering opening an independent solo practice. Um, you know, people get sick 24-7, but you also need to sleep, too. So you want to think about how call is going to be handled if you're in um, a solo independent practice, what the requirement will be for call if you're in a, a larger group practice or in a hospital system, things of that nature. All things to consider as you're trying to decide, where do I want to be after this? All right, so there's a bit of a timeline overview um, that we're going to discuss things to think about and we'll drill down into each time frame a little bit more. But when you're thinking about your 24 to 19 month time period, um, that's really when you're doing your personal assessment. Um, where do I want to be? Um, what, how do I want to practice? What kind of things do I um, consider important in my life? Um, and then you'll do your research and start strategizing your plan 
uh, for those next two years. 18 to 13 months, um, you're going to narrow down your locations, um, get your documents together, CVs, cover letters, things of that nature. Um, really start educating yourself about different compensation models. Um, in, in hospitals, RBUs are often the the, the guiding um, force in, in your compensation. Um, in a smaller practice, you might be employed, you might be a partner, things of that nature. So you want to educate yourself a bit on how those different models work um, so that you're prepared when you start doing your interviewing and whatnot. You want to start building your team, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. At about 12 to 7 months, that's when you really want to start submitting your CVs, um, setting up interviews, completing your background checks, fingerprinting, those kinds of things that go along with licensure. Um, you might even be starting your um, negotiations if you're looking at an employed um, situation, whether that's with a hospital or a group practice. Um, if you're interested in starting your own medical practice, um, that would be the time frame to start putting those pieces in, in the works um, and getting credentialing started. That is a lengthy process. At zero to six months, um, if you're, again, starting your own practice, you're going to be continuing the setup process. Um, but regardless, there are lots of personal tasks to take care of during that time. Um, and it might be a move involved. Um, you might be um, transitioning from one position to another. Um, you might have family things that you're having to take care of. Um, and then if you're going to be joining a practice or um, a hospital system, you'll have orientation to go through. You may have exams if you are um, doing any type of board certification, things like that. Um, so those are things you're going to be thinking up in the, or really finishing those details in those last few months. Um, and then you start your practice. If you're opening your own practice, you might want to start with an open house. Um, otherwise, you're onboarding and, um, and continuing your orientation and training in your new position. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that 24 to 19 month period. You're going to be conducting your personal assessment. And that's really about not just your professional needs, but also your personal needs. When you're considering your location, if you are a person who loves to surf and loves to go to the beach every weekend during the summer, you probably don't want to move to uh, Denver, Colorado. Um, those kinds of things are important. Um, practice settings. Do you want to be in a rural setting or an urban setting? Do you want to be in um, a solo practice? Do you want to be in a small group practice, a large group practice, or a hospital? Um, do you have family considerations, children, school districts, things of that nature? a spouse with a career, um, finances, cost of living, um, student loans, and then of course um, your extracurricular activities. All of those things go into your personal assessment. So it's not just about professional. Um, that part you pretty probably have pretty well figured out. By now you're in your residency and you know what specialty you're focusing on and that type of thing. So don't forget to also consider your personal needs. You want to plan your career strategy. Um, and again, that's about the practice setting. So this is where you are thinking about the professional side. Um, you know, what are your long-term goals? Don't just think about the next couple of years. Think about the next 5, 10, 15 years. Where do you see yourself ultimately practicing? Um, 
how do you see yourself growing as a, as a physician, as a professional? So you can start collecting data, um, doing your research um, on different types of workforce statistics, compensation models, community demographics. Um, you want to pay close attention to, um, again, what specialty you've chosen and where you're moving to. Is there a demand for that? Is there a need for it? Um, is there a saturation in that market already? So do that research during that, that time period. Um, and when you're researching job opportunities in, uh, in particular, um, network with the folks you know. That's a huge piece. Um, you'll have uh, um, um, fellows and residents and other physicians, um, and you want to make sure, and your, and the, and your, your fellow residents, um, people that you're actually in residency with, you want to make sure that you really um, um, stay focused on those relationships and that you're um, sharing with people what it is you're interested in, in doing and what you, where you're interested in going. Um, you can also look at advertisements. If you are a part of a, um, an association or a specialty association or organization, a lot of times they will have um, advertisements on their websites or in their um, public publications. Um, you can also search different websites. Obviously, if you're interested in a specific hospital or a specific system, you can look on their website in particular, or you can work with um, a physician recruiter. Um, they're independent third parties. They're usually paid by the employer, um, so it's not something that you usually have to pay for, but they have a, a pretty good feel for what's happening out there and who's looking for physicians, um, and they understand all of the um the work that goes into that interview process and the potential for moving and things of that nature. Um, locum's tenums is another option to consider. If you get to this point and you're really not sure where you want to be or what setting you want to be in, um, this is a good way to try out a few different options. Um, and, and again, physician recruiters also uh, will be able to help you with those types of positions as well. And then, of course, like I said, the hospital websites are always a good site to check out what they're needing and who they're looking for. All right, we're at 18 to 13 months. Uh, you're going to narrow your geographic location by this time and start creating your documents. You're going to want to have your CV, um, cover letter. You want to have references um, and a question list. Um, if you're doing enough research on the area, um, the facility, the organization, um, it should start to spur some questions in your mind. Start writing those down. Um, start understanding, again, those physician compensation modes. What methods are they using to pay? Where's the supply and the demand? Um, what's the total compensation? And when you think of total compensation, it's not just about what your paycheck is. It's also um, the other things to consider would be benefits, um, health insurance, things of that nature, retirement benefits. You want to think about whether there's going to be um, reimbursement for CME um, and travel, things of that nature. And then you're going to want to start building your support team. And the support team will consist of um, any number of disciplines, um, CPA, healthcare attorney, um, uh, recruiter, consultant. Uh, it just depends, again, what, what direction you're taking. Um, you may have a banker if you're interested in um, starting your own practice. 
Um, you'll need to develop a pro forma, a business plan, and, and um, engage a banker for funding. Um, you'll need a real estate agent to help you find an office space. Um, or if you're um, uh, moving locations, you might need a, a residential real estate agent. Um, and then you'll need a credentialing partner if you are um, looking to, to open your own practice or small group practice. And the credentialing can take anywhere from four to six months or longer. So that's something that you want to start early on as well. Um, in the hospitals or in the larger group practices, a lot of time they will start the credentialing process for you and take care of that. So it's not something you have to, it's part of the whole package deal. Um, and as you get closer to that 13th month, you're going to want to submit those CVs and cover letters and um, start participating in interviews. You might be doing telephone interviews, video conference interviews. Make sure you're keeping notes on all of the different people that you speak to and, um, and have your schedule and calendar on hand when you're in the process of those interviews so that you can schedule follow-up interviews and um, on-site visits and things of that nature. Um, interviews on site uh, will frequently happen after usually a first telephone interview um, and then there will oftentimes will be a follow-up interview maybe with more than um, one, one or two people and there might be a panel interview that follows up. Um, and this is in your 12 to 7 months, right? So you're doing these interviews and you're going to start considering offers. Um, you're going to be receiving um, executable contracts. Um, and negotiating salaries, compensation packages, and you're going to want to make sure that you do a legal review on all of that. Um, it's just a, a good rule of thumb to have an attorney look at any contracts that you might be signing. Um, you especially want to consider whether there's a non-compete clause, things of that nature, especially if there's any thought in your mind that you might want to eventually open your own practice in that area. The non-compete clause will be a huge issue for you if you've not considered that ahead of time. Um, you'll also be taking care of your background checks at this 12 to 7 month period. Um, they'll do a social, social security trace and validation, malpractice claims, credit history, criminal history. Um, they'll be looking at um, terrorism watch lists, all that kind of stuff. Preparing you for DEA, Medicare, Medicaid uh, credentialing, um, and your licensure. So all that happens in that 12 to 7 month period. If you're um, starting up a practice, um, this is when you start looking for your space, you uh, develop your financial pro forma and business plan, um, and, and request funding from banks, start looking at what technology you're going to need for your space. Um, all of those things happen in those first early months of opening your own practice. Um, and then initiating credentialing. Um, like I said, that can take anywhere from four to six months or longer. They have boards and committees that meet um, uh, to, to complete that process, these third-party payers, and sometimes they don't meet over summers or holidays, so you want to make sure that you start that process earlier uh, rather than later. All right, now we're down to the wire, six months, six to zero months. Um, you're going to be completing your medical staff application, um, if, if that's something you still need to do. Um, in personal tasks, if you're uh, relocating, this will be the time that that happens. Um, hooking up your utilities and your phone and um, trash collection, all of those uh, things that go along with moving. Um, taking care of your change of address, 
your bank account, switching all that over, and insurance, all of those personal tasks will be done in that time period. And then you may start orientation um, closer to the uh, to your start date, whether that's with a practice or a hospital system, you'll have staff introductions, um, and um, start your orientation and onboarding process. Um, the other thing that you'll be doing is uh, marketing. Um, now, if you're doing your own, if you're opening your own practice, that may entail uh, doing an open house or visiting potential referral sources. Otherwise, um, that may, if you're joining a group practice, um, that'll entail really talking with your practice manager about how your patients are going to be assigned and, and, and getting your information on their practice website, your bio, pictures, things of that nature. All of that will be taking place right there at the end. Now, we're going to talk about TMB licensure real quick. If you are coming to Texas, which we hope you are, um, and you're going to be licensed, you want to make sure you start this process early. Uh, the legislature requires that the process, uh, that the TMB processes those applications um, within an average of 51 days. However, here's the caveat. Um, that doesn't start, um, that initial 51 days doesn't start until all the paperwork has been submitted. So you want to make sure that you um, have reviewed the website, you've read the instructions, you've gathered all of the appropriate paperwork, and that you've gotten everything submitted correctly. Um, phase one is pre-licensure, and then um, that's gathering all of that paperwork and submitting it. Um, the board meets and reviews all of those things. They issue licenses twice a month, um, and so that phase two piece could take um, anywhere from zero to 36 days. Um, but you, again, you want to start that early because you don't want to end up not being able to start working because your license isn't done yet. There's a uniform application um, for physician state licensure. It's online. Um, and the nice thing about that is especially if you're going to be working um, in, in any of the border areas of Texas and interested in the, the, the states that border Texas, um, this will reduce the redundancy in filling out multiple applications for different states. Um, you renew this license every two years. Um, you have to meet CME requirements. It's uh, 48 credits for every 24 months. Um, they may be formal or informal CV, uh, CME activities. Um, and you requ you're required for to have two credits in formal CME um, ethics and or professional responsibility content. So just keep that in mind. As far as the background check is concerned, some things that you'll need to consider and be ready for. Um, you'll have to submit your original uh, or your initial licensure with fingerprints. Um, the website that you can go to to, um, to start that process is www.morphotrust.com, M-O-R-P-H-O-T-R-U-S-T.com. If they do a live scan, it captures your fingerprints without ink. Um, you have to schedule online or by phone. It's about $40 to have it done. Um, and the fingerprints are submitted electronically um, to DPS and to the FBI, and then those results are sent to the TMB. You'll also be required for your Texas licensure to complete your jurisprudence exam. Um, you must receive your scheduling permit from the TMB before you can sit for that exam, um, and it must be passed within three attempts with a score of 75 or better. Um, the jurisprudence manual and the study guide are available 
um, both through the Texas Medical Association website and on the TMB website. Um, I would recommend that you review the manual. Um, jurisprudence, while men, much of it is uh, common sense, there are still some things that you want to make sure that you're aware of. Um, so make sure that you review that study guide before you take that exam. Um, that is the uh, end of our discussion for today. I hope you found this helpful. And good luck to you in starting your practice. We appreciate you and ask that you like and follow for future episodes. Until then, stay well.